Friends, it is good to greet you this morning on the very first Sunday of 2024. I trust and pray that your Christmas season was filled with the peace and the hope and the love and joy of Christ God with you. It is such a strange thing to begin this message this morning on the dawn of a new year of 2024. I feel like 2024 is the year used in like the space age apocalyptic movies from the 80s, right? Where it's, it's like it says, it's the year 2024. Cars are flying and we have transformed Mars and robots run the world and we can teleport. Which is, really doesn't feel like we're that far off of any of those things. <laughs> January 1 has long been the date for making New Year's resolutions and New Year, a new you. And all the ads promise this, that you too can make a major change. Diets and exercise plans and mindfulness tools fill our screens as we doom scroll late at night on December 31st, wondering how we are going to become a better person the next day. Right? I don't know about you, but I often find that my news resolutions are more like a short to-do list for the first week of January. Or dear, dear New Year's resolutions, 2024, it was fun while it lasted, sincerely, January 2nd. Anyone with me? <laughs> yes. So resolutions are usually about turning things around in our life and we vow to sleep more and eat more vegetables and drink more water and save more whales. Wine less, scroll less, smoke less, swear less. Stop overworking, stop caffeine, stop overthinking, stop eating spotted owl, like the usual things. What would the church's New Year's resolution look like if she were to make one? What kind of turning around is the church invited to? This morning, as we set up this new series, The Power to Change, we will look at the power to change our future this morning, particularly the future of the church, capital C. And every time I say church, this is what I mean in my sermon this morning, is the church universal. And we're going to look at this through three lenses, identity, repentance, and surrender. And from here, the preaching team will carry it on for the next six weeks, continuing the series, speaking about the power to change ourselves, relationships, our focus, our worship, and our rhythm. So we're starting big, and we are then coming in small. So um, this has been nothing but a massive challenge to be talking about the church. So let's pray before I begin. Holy God, thank you for setting us up before your throne this morning in these worship songs, that we do want nothing more than you. And we say this, and yet we know within our hearts that we lean toward so many other things. So thank you for your grace that meets us, to pull us back, to be fixed on you, to surrender all to you. Lord, I know this is your will for your church. She is your church and your bride And you have called her out to be salt and light in this world. God, may we surrender to your spirit as you lead and guide. In your name, amen. The beginning of the Christian um, movement called at the time was called the Third Way. It underwent powerful change. Sociologists recognize that Christianity grew at a rate of approximately 40% per decade. At the launch of the church, there were approximately 3,000 Christians. Now you flash forward to 80, 350, and there are about 34 million Christians in the world. Talk about massive change, right? In fact, Acts 17.6, Luke records the crowd saying about the new Christians, these people have turned the world upside down. Is that amazing? These people have turned the world upside down. 
The new church didn't just make a difference in the world. They changed the whole world. What kind of community could turn the whole world upside down? A community that itself is turned upside down. The Spirit propelled the church into a whole new flipped identity. And this is our first point this morning, where one's identity and belonging prior rested on one's status and family relations and religious customs and wealth and privilege and citizenship. But now the early church found themselves belonging to Christ. And as new Christians, they were whole new creations that now formed the family of God. So their baptismal waters were thicker than the societal ties that held them bonded them in unity to each other. And as such, all believers were not only reconciled to God, but they became reconciled to one another. Gentile and Jew and male and female and rich and poor and young and old were all united in this new identity, belonging to Christ and therefore belonging to each other. They caring for one another as their own. This was flipped upside down and it turned the world upside down. And Jesus prayed for this over his disciples. This was the will of God that this would happen. Jesus prayed. He goes, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. The prayer was that they would be one. And as the early church encountered becoming new creations in the spirit, they truly became one. As I begin to take down my Christmas decorations, I find that our nativity scene has somehow grown and multiplied. It started with the usual characters, the wise men and the angels and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and stuff. But now it has become this massive, inclusive community in my house. Here, you see, it's coming, just a second, wait for it. Aha. (laughs) Here you see a gnome in the manger scene, right? And then like the Hill Cassidy World grandkids, they belong now. Um, and my cat River. Right? And then in this next one, in this next nativity that's grown, we see, um, well, a lot of different things in the Serengeti. We have, we have animals from the Serengeti now, the antelope, which God is now blessing the rains down in Africa. And we have goats and we have some broken goats. And, and then we have, I don't know. What is that thing? I'm not even sure what these are. Zoom in on the next slide. These are um, (laughs) egg people. (laughs) I don't one of my beloved children made these things. I'm sure that they are precious things. It doesn't matter what they are. They belong. They belong. So over the last 30 days, everyone in the house gravitated toward Jesus. Yes. And they each have a place. Even the egg people belong to Christ. They are now Belonging to one another. All are invited. All who come to Christ belong in Christ and are one in Christ. Friends, the power of this identity shift, this absolute radical inclusive nature of this flip cannot be underestimated. The reconciled community became this massive change magnet in the world. As they lived upside down lives, they turned the world upside down. Mightily drawing people into the life of belonging and this harmonious new social uh, spiritual orientation where all are equal at the cross. The power to change the future, I believe, the word says, starts with this identity shift. And from this unified life in Christ, the church becomes reoriented around a whole new mission and a whole new world. And this is called repenting. 
Now, <laughs> the power to change the future begins with repentance. This word is loaded these days, right, with cultural connotations. Perhaps we may immediately think of the person on the, in the parade, right, who holds the condemning sign, urging all to repent or they will burn in hell. Maybe not the most positive connotation. When my sister and I were younger, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, here we go, we would play evangelist. Anyone else? No. Okay, when we were children of the 80s and 90s who lived on the mission field, what else are you going to do? <laughs> so I remember pretending to be Chuck Swindoll, right? We know who he is. Some of you know who he is. Okay, and my sister would be Sandy Patty or Billy Graham, <laughs> and we would play church with all of our stuffed animals. And my favorite sermon was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then all of our stuffies would fall on their faces and repent. And then we'd count them and welcome them into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and thus began my preaching ministry. <laughs> all right, there's therapy for that. <clears throat> but we weren't that far off, right? <laughs> repent. Do we hope for the church to have the power to change the future? Then it must start with repenting. Peter's very first sermon on the day of Pentecost when the promised Holy Spirit descended and filled the community of believers ended with his words. He said, repent, therefore, every one of you and be baptized in the name of Christ for your sins. And throughout the record of Acts, this word continually appears in sermons, repent, and then the community grew. But what does it mean? Let's learn some Greek for a minute. Okay, ready? Don't worry. It's not too hard. There will be a quiz at the end. So you're going to need to log into your Canvas app, click on Module 4, download the rubric, apply the material to Application 3, download Final Exam, click on the camera icon, take a picture of your assignment, upload it to the folder titled PLCC 2024, and click Send. Seriously, that is what our kids have to deal with. That is actually what I am dealing with in my ordination classes right now. Like, this is nuts. Okay, back to our Greek lesson. It's not too hard. Annabelle learned Greek when she was two child genius. I was in seminary <laughs> and a mom of a toddler. And so to maximize my time, I made laminated Greek flashcards. Also, I'm super nerdy, but I would give her a bath. And during her bath, I would quiz myself on my Greek endings, right? <laughs> time management, right? <laughs> what do you do? So luo, luais, luomen, luete, right? Mark, luomen. All right. And I do it over and over again. It wasn't long after that that Annabelle would make requests such as, Mama, cookie omen? And she slapped the aorist middle voice ending on the back of cookie. <laughs> There's also therapy for that. <laughs> so in Greek, the word to repent is metanoia. And metanoia, in simplest terms, means to turn. Now, once I did a research, my, I taught this to our students, but now it's your turn. Once I did a search for what God says the most in Scripture... I looked up all the phrases. God spoke, God said, the Lord spoke, the Lord said, looked it all up. It was a huge project. It was super fun. And I found that God says, shuv, the most. Shuv. Another cool word. It's not Greek. It's Hebrew. It also means to turn, to return. This is what God says the most in scripture. Take that in for a minute. Turn to me. Return to me. Turn to everything. Turn, turn, turn. There is a season for turning, and it's every season. God says this the most because we are constantly turning the wrong way, and he wants us to turn back. But 
to repent. To metanoia means far more than just turning away from sin and turning toward God. Actually, it means turning away from sin and toward God, but it means more than remorse and guilt and contrition about a particular sin. It is not simply confession and then a dogged determination to not engage that sin again. To repent, to metanoia, actually means to recenter our whole lives around Jesus. This is what Peter was calling Israel to do. To recenter their entire way of life, their whole world, around the person of Christ. Ellen Hirsch, in his new book titled Metanoia, says, A true following of Jesus is marked by a significant reorientation that involves the centering of our whole being around the reality of God. To sit in that for a minute. It involves the centering of our whole being around the reality of God. Metanoia is to see not merely what we have failed to be, but by divine grace, what we can now become. Isn't that amazing? I love this. So when we essentially... Uh, Yeah, this I would put on a sandwich board, right? This kind of repentance. He goes on to say, it is grace that enables us, amen, to transcend the narrow confines of our current condition and open us up to a greater multidimensional understanding of God, our world, organizations, and ourselves. Got it? That's a lot. Essentially, to repent, to metanoia, is a desertion of this small-minded thinking toward an enlarged vision of reality. So basically, to metanoia means to have your mind blown. Okay? When we turn to Jesus, he will blow our mind. Jesus brought a transformed vision of reality, and it is mind-blowing. It is heart-blowing. It is life-changing. Jesus declares that all sin is an invasive, penetrating rot that needs cleansing from the inside out that we can't do ourselves. He offers total forgiveness and cleansing of this sin through his sacrifice. He reconciles us back to God. He offers us hope through his resurrection, conquering sin and death. He regenerates us daily by his Holy Spirit, making us into new creations. He breaks the dividing lines of ethnicity, gender, class, and race. He flipped kingdom principles upside down where the least are the greatest and the last are first. The powerless are centered and the unseen are seen. He declares that the kingdom of heaven is here now, in our midst, in him. And we are citizens of this kingdom now. That blows my mind. That sure blows my my heart transformed reality. Friends, the church's power to change begins with repenting and turning completely, reorienting our identity, life, mission, and purpose around the mind-blowing, transformed reality of Christ as king and his kingdom that has come. So what does... (laughs) Got to keep going. What does this vast reorientation look like for the church today? How can repenting change the future of the church? What does she need to turn away from and toward? Here are a few thoughts from scripture. There's a lot of scripture. So I actually printed it all and I have it in the back. If you're interested in reading after the service, you can take one of those. This is what I hear God calling the church to. Repenting looks like the church turning away from entertaining sin as a pet weakness that we can diffuse with self-help and toward 
a desire for absolute purging of anything that keeps us from the heart of God and abundant life in Christ. Repenting is turning away from the belief that salvation is only internal, individual, one-and-done, private life insurance thing and toward a deeper reality of salvation where every person grows into full maturity in Christ. Salvation encompasses the whole of humanity. It is shalom and it is total reconciliation of all things back to God, one another, and the world. Repenting is to turn away from worldly divisions and schisms and fractures and become the reconciled community that God has called us to. Recognizing the reality of the dignity and worth of each individual that is grounded in the image of God. Repenting looks like turning away from idols of power and prestige and becoming the self-emptying servant of all. In his book, The Post-Church Church, our own conference leader, Peter Sung, who has preached here multiple times, reminds, says that Tim Keller reminds the American church that the gospel has always moved away from power. The church was never meant to hold power, ego, and its own perpetuation. This does not have to be our God. Now is the time to repent and turn from our wicked ways. Tim Keller. Jesus drives that point home, friends, when James and John are jockeying for positions around his earthly throne that they assume that they will have. And Jesus says to them, he says, you know how the kings of the nations show their power to the people. Important leaders use their power over people, but it must not be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great among you, let him care for you. And whoever wants to be first, let him be a servant. So repenting for the church looks like turning away from using possessions and power and privileges as something that we wield and instead become something that we yield. Repenting is turning away from generating only monocultural communities and turning toward participating in God's multi-ethnic vision for the church where a great multitude of every tribe and every nation come and stand before the Lamb of God. Repenting is turning away from systems that propagate racism and toward becoming beacons of racial righteousness. Repenting is turning away from indifference and self-preservation and toward a posture of deep hospitality that welcomes the stranger and honors the foreigners. Repenting is turning away from centering dominant power groups and turning toward those who are on the underside of power giving the littlest and the least center seats of belonging. Becoming proximate to suffering, the lonely, and the grieved. Repenting is turning away from depending on normative sources of money, political allyship, celebrity leaders, and toward prayer. First and foremost, Toward the only power source that can transform, create, and redeem, and resurrect the power of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. Now, for the church to become like the early church in its magnetic, world-flipping way, she must also confess the ways that she has not been oriented around the kingdom of God. I believe that one of the greatest ways the church can be a prophetic witness in this world is how she admits wrong and confesses and repents and laments the injustices that have been done in the name of Christ 
and towards, toward reconciliatory work. For the church to change and become a positive, transforming entity in the world, she must turn toward a relentless pursuit of bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Relentless pursuit. In the words of covenant pastor Brenda Salter McNeil, she says, we have been invited by God to create reconciled communities that become microcosms of the kingdom on earth. So our collective calling is to make the kingdom of God visible on earth. This is what we are about, right? So I have become aware lately that a lot of my body pain issues are due to being hypermobile. And because of this, I have to be extremely intentional about how I hold my body. If you're on a walk with me, I'm fully present and I am delighting in our conversation. But at the same time, I am very focused about squaring my hips. My shoulders are back. My neck is in place. Because if I walk wrong, it's going to be painful. I have to walk with intention all the time. I have to stand with intention. And I'm not allowed to sit on my leg anymore. Anyone else sit on their leg? When I was rowing the other morning, the instructor continued to shout out these commands. Sit tall, engage core, straight arms, strong legs, push with your feet. She said, you must have full intentionality with each stroke. You must have full intentionality with each stroke. And the more I practice the posture of rowing, the less I have to think about it. It just becomes natural, like breathing in and out. And I think of the church a lot like a hypermobile body. How easily we slip out of our intended orientation around Jesus and the kingdom of God if we are not constantly vigilant. Every stroke of our Christian life is to be set with intention. With our eyes on Jesus, embodying the kingdom with all we do and all that we say and all that we are. And just like our rowing team, we must be intentionally in the same stroke together. Teams row and sink together when they share the same destination. Each stroke has the power to change the future. Relentlessly pursuing the kingdom of God is our invitation. Which brings us to our concluding point. Surrendering. As I mentioned a minute ago, repenting is turning away from sources of power that we usually lean toward and toward the only power that can transform the power of the Holy Spirit. Power is essential for witness. In both Luke 24:49 and Acts 1, as Jesus was leaving, he says that the power of the Holy Spirit must come first before we are to go and make disciples of all nations. Yes? Power comes first. He goes, I will send the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will come and fill you with power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit, friends, empowers the church to repent, empowers the church for life and mission and purpose and witness. The power of the Spirit convicts. It's the power of the Spirit that makes metanoia possible, that churning that we've been called to. It is the power of the Spirit that empowers the church to be the prophetic witness that she is to be today. It is the Holy Spirit that equips the church to go to the ends of the world with the message of the gospel. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that changes us. And so our invitation is to surrender. A changed church is a church on her knees with open hands. Through the power of the Spirit, the church becomes, in this way, the full expression of the presence of the living Christ. And that is what we want. 
It is obvious that God is deeply forming this body by his spirit. Obvious. Our invitation is to continue to posture ourselves toward openness, curiosity, hope, fervor, and willing adaptation to God's will. Position ourselves on our knees before God, open-handed and yielded, so that we can become the reconciled community that we're intended to be. What else is the Holy Spirit saying to Pine Lake? Where are we misaligned and need to shove? Do we need to desert any small-minded thinking toward an enlarged vision of God's kingdom reality? Are we on our knees for this body, seeking revival in the spirit? How are we welcoming the cats and the broken goats and the egg people to the cross and to the tomb? What does being the reconciled community look like in Sammamish through this body? What is the Spirit saying to you? That'll be next week's message. But is the Spirit calling you to metanoia, to recenter your whole life around Jesus, every stroke with intention, focused on God and his kingdom? Not just a part of your life, not just Sundays, but are we all in with relentless pursuit? Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking your words this morning that call us toward your heart, call us toward your mission, call us to be kingdom people. God, it is by the the shifting of our identity that we know we belong to you and we belong to each other. God, we are called to repent in every single way that that word means. Lord, show the church, capital C, and this church and ourselves what it looks like and what you are calling us to turn away from and turn toward. God, and above all, we ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us to surrender and open it all to you, God, every single, every single part of our life, direction, and purpose. May you be at work powerfully. We pray these things in your awesome and matchless and powerful name. Amen.